You are listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. You can find us at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Happy listening. Um, so thank you. Um, I suppose to start off this morning, I want to thank the Worship Collective and Andrew for leading us in that response. I just feel like there's such a sense of building every week now in terms of Jesus coming and that intimacy we have with him um, and also just that hearing from him and in those moments. So thank you. I know all the work that goes into it is huge. So thank you for that. Um, thank you, Colin, for inviting me to share um, some of what I feel God has put on my heart for us as a community in this season and as we explore what taking ground looks like. Now, when I've imagined doing this, I've very much imagined a very slick Steve Jobs-style Apple presentation. Yeah. <laughs> I may just be glad to get to the end of it, but I'm really glad that I'm amongst friends and people that are encouraging me on, so no heckling, Tishy. Um, um, so yeah, so before we started this series, or even knew what the title was going to be, I met with Colin and Tim Hortons, and he asked me to have a think about what I felt God would want me to share with you all as a community here at DCB. Um, after recovering from the kind of initial shock of being asked and thinking and taking hold captive all of the things that were going through my head, like, is he sure? Has he actually lost his mind? Why is he asking me? I said, okay, let me go away and think about it. Now, the key here was do not agree a date, because if there's no date, it's not going to happen, so don't agree a date. But of course, he followed up very quickly with a WhatsApp to let him know what my thoughts were and when I would be ready to give it. So I just don't know how he knew the answer to that secret plan. So as I took some time to think about it and really asked God, what is it that he wants me to share? What is it that he wants to put on my heart to share with the people here? What does he want to do to encourage and uplift us as a community? I felt God remind me of a painting that has sat in our spare room for a very long time, waiting for a nail to go on the wall since we moved house. It's only been about six years, so there's time yet. <laughs> so, am I clicking wrong? Am I doing it wrong? <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you, Aaron. Um, so this is it. Elizabeth um, got me this painting for our first Christmas together as Mr. and Mrs. And she commissioned the painting, I suppose, is the best way to put it. So she asked a person who paints prophetic art to seek God for what they felt they wanted to say to me. He wanted to say to me at that time. And the idea is that you just get your name, nothing else about you. They spend some time painting and then they... Um, get in touch when it's ready. So the idea is that you get the painting and then a letter that explains what they felt God was saying. So you're meant to spend a couple of weeks looking at the painting, seeking God and asking him, what is it you're trying to say to me about me through this painting? Um, so I don't know what you see when you look at this painting, what you're drawn to, whether it's the roaring fire, if it's the coal and the hearse or the tongs, maybe the scripture embossed along the side, but there's lots to look at and to think about as you reflect on what's up there. Now, I think sometimes our perspective and what it might mean hinges on whether we're asking, what does this mean for someone else or what does this mean for me? I think there is a difference in how we hear from God when we're hearing for ourselves and when we're hearing for someone else. Because do you know what I saw when I looked at that painting? Negativity. No matter what way I looked at it, all I could see was the cold lumps of coal lying on the hearth. Those coal to me didn't even have any fire around them. They were almost 
non-existent, cold, lifeless, lacking in fire and passion, and that was me. That's what God was trying to tell me. Now, as I've been on the journey with DCB, I have the context to put that down as to condemnation and that it wasn't true. It's not what the Father had for me. I mean, what good Father would give you something so lovely and then fill it with all the negative things that he thinks about you, all of your faults on display for the world to see? So when I shared my thoughts with Elizabeth, who we all know is so very full of wisdom, she replied and said, do you really think that is what God is wanting to tell you, that his words for you are to hurt you? She made a really good point, but like much wisdom, it gets filtered out by thoughts and feelings, and I just accepted that that was God's opinion of me at that time. That is where he saw me. So what did the letter say? What did this complete stranger feel like God was saying about me and to me? Well, it was exactly what I thought. No, of course it wasn't, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> and I'll share a little of what it said, and this isn't to make me sound wonderful or to highlight all my wonderful attributes, but to highlight how our perspective can be so completely skewed when we're seeking God for others compared to when we're seeking him for ourselves. So she did highlight the coal and the tongs, but not that I was the coal, instead I was the tongs an instrument that would wrap around the coal which has fallen from the fire and become a bit colder and slightly less aflame and help to place them back into relationship with Jesus in the centre of the fire. That God wanted me to help people know Jesus and to be on fire and ablaze, filled with passion for him, and I was there to lift people up. What a stark comparison to my reality. When I read it, I cried, and I think that's often my heart's response to hearing from God, an overflow of emotions at hearing his voice and knowing his truth. But I also cried because I knew that what she had heard from God is true, and it's what I knew, and yet here I was, completely believing all of these negative things about myself. I had known that there was a call in my life to come alongside people and to lift them up, to encourage and strengthen them to pray and build up, and yet here I was believing the complete opposite of what he had for me. So why is it so easy to believe what God says about others when we listen to God for them, and yet so often, for me, I do not hear the encouraging, comforting, strengthening things he says over me? How many of us stand here on a Sunday morning at the front and have people pray what they feel God is saying to them about you, and yet you don't listen or you don't hear it in your heart it falls off because you don't believe it. And so that really forms the basis for what I want to share about this morning. Do you really believe who he says you are? No, actually, do you really believe who he says you are? So to put this into context, I've gone with the classic three-question response thing. Um, so the first one is, who do we belong to? When we think of who we belong to, I think lots of there are lots of considerations to filter out. We belong to people in lots of different contexts. So I belong to Elizabeth as her husband. I belong to Caleb as his dad, as a son to Gary and Siobhan. I'm someone's boss, I'm someone's employee. But biblically, who do I belong to? Now very simply, and this could be a very short talk, I am his. I am a son of God. You are sons and daughters of God. Hear me when I say that. I think we can hear it and we don't really listen and apply it. So you are sons, you are daughters of God. You have inherited the kingdom of God and all power and authority has been given to you through Jesus. So why do we live like we have not? Why do we believe that those... Mm, <laughs> 
Why do, we why do we believe that whose we are is not important? Who we belong to in the natural changes over time and the interdependency of who we belong to changes. So for example, with Caleb, his belonging and dependence on Elizabeth and I has changed already so much in the last five years and it will continue to change. But in that, our identity has changed too. But God is consistently who we belong to, and he defines who we are and who we are called to be. So I wanted to share something from a book called Victory Over the Darkness by Dr. Neil Anderson. And this quote for me really sums up a bit of this, who we belong to. And it says, I believe that your hope for growth, meaning and fulfillment as a Christian is based on understanding who you are, specifically your identity in Christ as a child of God. Your understanding of who God is and who you are in relationship to him is the critical foundation for your belief system and your behavior patterns as a Christian. I have to say, this book has been a book that has been significant on my walk with Jesus and continues to be. When I was first given it by a friend to read, it really shook me to my very core, grappling with who I am, who he has created me to be. It has been transformational, and I'm very grateful to the person who first shared it with me and knew my struggles around identity and worth. So if you haven't read it, I would really encourage you to get a copy and read it. Um, and really, Read it and think about who you'll choose to be in 2023. What characteristics does God say about you that will help to change who you're choosing to be? So we, um, we answer that very simple question of who we belong to, God. When we know whose we are, how can we not live out the life we are called to? Which moves me on to question two. Who does he say we are? The Bible is filled with so many great adjectives and descriptions of who we are, and so I thought I would pull out a few to look at this morning and to reflect on. So I am a child. I am God's child. You are God's children. I have been bought with a price and I belong to God. You have been bought with a price and you belong to God. I am a member of Christ's body. You are a member of Christ's body. I am a saint and I am free from condemnation. You are saints and you're free from condemnation. Yes, you, each and every one of you, have been bought with a price and are free from condemnation. I am confident that the work God has begun in me will be perfected. And I am confident that the work God has begun in you will be perfected, taking ground one step at a time. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I mean, seriously, when you look at that list, how can you not feel empowered to take on anything? Anything that you come up against, how could you not take it on, knowing what he has for you, who he says you are? Sometimes it's easier to believe it for other people, because we don't know them the way we know ourselves. It's easy to say that about others because we don't know the ifs and the buts about how we live our lives. When I read them, I have to read them more than once because very quickly my mind can start to contradict them, can start to conflict with them, filling in the ends with buts, you do this, or um, yeah, but you also aren't because you did this. Do not let the enemy come in and kill and destroy what God says about you. 
God wants you to live a life to the full, and the enemy hates that, so don't let him win. Claim those truths for yourself today. Search out the Bible for what he says about you and integrate it into your DNA as you reflect on it every day. So what else does God call you out to be? So as I thought about what else he might want to share, this is one of my favorite pieces of scripture, so I thought this would be a good place to go. So it's from Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16, and from the message version, it says, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house, be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, the generous Father in heaven. And I just think that is so amazing. He doesn't call us or want us to live a quiet existence. He wants us to know who we are and to shine for him, to share him and to be fully aware of who he is and who we are, to call people into the more and to see their lives transformed because we know what it means to have Jesus. So on to the third question. If all that is true, then how can we not take ground in knowing who he says we are? It does seem a bit mad for me to be standing here sharing on this because some days I'm not sure, some days I'm a bit shaky, and some days I'm clinging on by my very fingernails. But what I do know is, I know what it is like to live a life where I don't know whose I am, a life where I don't know who I was and what God has for me, and I don't ever plan to go back there. So as Colin shared this morning, we want to share a bit of our stories and some of the things that we have journeyed through. Um, and for me, that life looks so different to where I am now. Even when I was a new Christian, I still was such a struggle. I struggled so much with my own self-worth and value. My identity was built around pleasing others, making myself less so that others could shine, always putting myself backwards, always trying to fade into the background. You see, I didn't know whose I was or who I was called to be, so I gave in to everything that my soul said about me, and I believed that it was always true. Looking back now, I can see how damaging that was to me as a person, how unloved and unlovable I felt. Even if that was untrue, it felt real on so many levels. I remember once, when Elizabeth and I were dating, she asked me if I imagined us having a family or if I'd ever imagined having children. The answer to that was that I had never thought about having children because I had never imagined that anyone would love me enough to marry me or have a family with me. Now, I feel like that's very vulnerable to share, but it's true and it's a reality that I lived in, that I was so unworthy, so unlovable, that nothing would ever lift me out of that. Even as Christians, we can still believe so much of what the enemy has spoken over our life, either now or in the past. But it's only when we listen to what God says and we cling on to what we know to be biblically true that we can take ground in that area. Sometimes that can look very proactive and other times, as Andrew has often shared at the front, and I'll not try and imitate his actions, sometimes all we can do is hold. Don't worry about going forward but don't go back, 
just hold the ground you're on, and in time you'll be ready to take ground and to move forward and advance. There's nothing wrong with holding your position in war, waiting for the next move, but what you cannot do is remain stagnant forever. At some point you have to advance, you have to move forward. Some days it looks like this, and it's a walk in the park and everything's sunny and lovely, but I find sometimes more often than not, it looks a bit like this, trying to push your way through the storms and the waves and the wind with an umbrella that is not up to meeting the resistance. But what I do know is, whether it's sunny or it's stormy, God is with me and he is consistently with me, never leaving me, always calling me into the more, but also be able to stand with me and shelter me in the midst of a storm and bring me through it. I think so much of it comes down to the mind, and I'm not going to pretend that when I heard we were doing another Mind Matters series that I wasn't a bit like, really, again, we've done this before. And then I remember how easy it is to let those things slip. The letting your soul dominate, forgetting about holding your thoughts captive, letting the enemy have his voice in your head again. And I do think the latest series on Mind Matters has taken it to a new level and has been really powerful and impactful on me and I am so much more conscious of catching the thoughts as early as possible. I think sometimes we forget all the good things that we can do, all the victories that we achieve, and focus in on that one thing that is difficult, that thing that cannot be shifted. But as Aaron shared last week, with each victory you add things to your arsenal that can be used to break down those lies and strongholds, and I have to say that was really impactful. But even in that, in the year of choosing to be who I want to be, I was almost paralyzed last week because comparison crept in. Aaron was doing such a brilliant job and I just thought, what am I gonna be like next week? Um, but I had to take a hold of that thought or I would never have moved forward. Yes, Aaron did a brilliant job, but it doesn't mean I will do terrible. And even as I write that, I have to stop myself from putting in something about, well, depending if I get good feedback or if I'm asked to do it again, because all I'm trying to do is deflect. My soul wants to deflect from what I am doing. But I catch it because it doesn't protect me from hurt. It just deflects from the fact that I really wanted to do a good job, not for me or for Colin or for Andrew or anyone here, but for Jesus, for God, to share what his heart was with the people here. So if there's one thing I want you to take away from this morning is that knowing whose we are and who we are, sons and daughters of God, empowered with the power and authority of the king. As our vision statement says, to go out into the world making disciples of Jesus who manifest Holy Spirit power here, near and far. That is what he has called each of us to be. So go out and take ground and know that he is cheering you on. As I finish, I'll ask the Worship Collective to come up and I want to go back and reflect on this painting. As you'll see along the bottom and up the sides, it quotes from Ecclesiastes 4, verse 10, and it says, if one falls down, his friends can help him up. How brilliant is it that we are growing as a community of people who are passionate about Jesus, whose heart is to build up and encourage each other, to be assured that if one of us falls down, his friend can and will help him up that together we can and will take ground like never before as we listen to each other's stories, share in each other's struggles, and ultimately call each other to be victorious overcomers in the areas we have taken ground. If I can do it, then so can you.
There are no exceptions, no exclusions, no limitations. If you truly believe who he says you are, you will take ground. You will reach new depths of relationship with him and you will overcome. So as always, as we finish up, I have three questions for you this morning. Do you really believe who he says you are? If your answer is anything short of absolutely, then he has something for you this morning. Do you find it easy to hear the truth that God speaks over others, but struggle to hear it for yourself? Then this morning he has something for you. And lastly, do you want to have greater clarity to hear the heart of the Father for yourself and for others? Do you want to be set more aflame so, he can, so you can set others aflame? If you can say yes to any of those questions or you want ministry, please come to the front and we'll worship for a time and then we'll have ministry. Come and join me. You have been listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. Remember to check us out at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk and have a great week.